This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you have joined us. This past summer, we spent weeks on this show talking about the issues surrounding housing, evictions, and poverty. Along the way, we learned that three Michigan cities, Warren, Detroit, and Lansing, rank among the top 100 in America with the highest rates of court-ordered evictions. Warren is number nine on that list, according to evictionlab.org, which tracks eviction data nationwide. We had several discussions around Metro Detroit about these issues, and we learned a lot about how tenants and landlords and other members of the community deal with this issue on a day-to-day basis. Now, we want to take another look at this issue, and we want to know more about ways we could actually address these issues. What efforts are underway to curtail America's eviction crisis and housing insecurity? As it turns out, Another city, one that's pretty close by, has been confronting the same issues and has come up with an innovative way to interrupt the cycles of housing insecurity and poverty. WDET's Jake Neer traveled to Cleveland to see how that city tackles housing issues through the court system. The Housing Division of Cleveland Municipal Court is now in session. Honorable Magistrate Sandra Lewis Eviction cases here in Cleveland are handled in a small courtroom in a dark corner of the city's sprawling justice center, which takes up an entire city block. Dozens of people are crammed into the courtroom waiting for their cases to come up. Thank you. You're here on the Housing Division's small claims docket. Um, I've looked at these files and there are a number of issues, so you folks may be in for kind of a bumpy ride here. According to Eviction Lab, Cleveland averages about 12 evictions per day. That's slightly higher than the national average for a major city. The housing court here is making a concerted effort to reduce that number. It's kind of amazing. It's, it's like a diversionary court for eviction. That's Matthew Desmond. He's a researcher and author of the Pulitzer Prize-winning book on America's eviction crisis titled Evicted. He also founded Eviction Lab. There's full-time social workers in the court that are going to try to address the issue at the moment. And that's a court operation like, like an institution of justice, not like an eviction processing plant, which is what our status quo is. The project he's referring to is a pilot program started under the watch of Judge Ron O'Leary, who oversees Cleveland's housing court. It brings in social workers to screen tenants who come to the court. O'Leary says the goal is to see if tenants are eligible for assistance through a variety of programs. So we may see tenants who are seniors. Uh, we may see tenants who are veterans or who have some mental or physical health issues or substance abuse issues. That program made more than 1,500 referrals in 2017 and has almost reached that number already this year. Since the program has only been in place for about a year and a half, it's tough to compare data year over year. But preliminary numbers show that few people who have gone through this program have returned for another eviction case. And that's significant, since studies show that eviction is cyclical. People who are evicted once are likely to be evicted again. Judge O'Leary says he's encouraged by the results so far. It was enough positive that I decided to make it a permanent part of what we do here at Housing Court. But people who work with low-income tenants don't want it to stop there. There are a number of measures that are sort of a part of the Cleveland Municipal Court that balance the situation a little bit more than some of the other courts that we're present in. But even with that, it's a pretty stark situation for tenants who are facing eviction. That's Abigail Stout with the Legal Aid Society of Cleveland, which represents tenants who can't otherwise afford an attorney. She says unlike criminal defendants, tenants have no right to an attorney when they're being evicted. Stout is working on a project to increase the number of tenants the Legal Aid Society represents from less than 2% to about 10%. 
Eventually, they hope to guarantee the right to counsel for all tenants facing eviction. This is something that's already happened in New York City and San Francisco. Melanie Shakarian with the Legal Aid Society says those cities have seen huge benefits. We know from the data from New York and San Francisco that it's pretty incredible in excess of like $260 million is saved by kids staying in school, unused shelter beds. But that's never been tried in the Midwest or a city like Cleveland, Detroit, or Warren. The Legal Aid Society of Cleveland is working with Judge O'Leary at the housing court to come up with a program that will provide more legal assistance for tenants who need it. And Shakarian says they don't want it to stop in Cleveland. We feel like the efforts that we do here can be replicated from Cleveland to Detroit, to Pittsburgh, to Kansas City, to wherever else in the Midwest. In the meantime, both of those programs are collecting data to quantify evictions and their cost. And that alone is progress, as data related to evictions is notoriously rare and difficult to find. This story has been supported by the Solutions Journalism Network, a nonprofit organization dedicated to rigorous and compelling reporting about responses to social problems. For WDET News, I'm Jake Neer in Cleveland. And joining me now in studio is Jake Neer, Detroit Today producer and reporter for WDET, recently traveled to Cleveland to check out what that city is doing to reduce the number of evictions. Jake, welcome to the studio. Hey, Stephen. Uh, we also want to hear from you, the listeners, about this issue. We spent a lot of time this summer talking about housing insecurity and evictions around Metro Detroit. We heard from lots and lots of folks while we were doing that. Tell us now about what you think about the solutions to eviction. What do you think about the solutions to housing insecurity? What are some of the things that we could be doing in communities around Metro Detroit to make sure that People stay in their homes and people don't find themselves out on the sidewalk or in a courtroom finding themselves removed from the place they call home. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Jake, you sat in the Cleveland courtroom through its eviction docket. Tell us what that was like and what you saw. Sure. Well, even in a city like Cleveland that's doing a lot of work to try to do better with these cases, these cases, they move really, really fast. I mean, you know, a a tenant comes up, a landlord comes up, or an an attorney for the landlord comes up, and it's like, you know, two minutes. That's the entire hearing of of that case. So, um, you know, this is something that you see nationwide, too. This is something that Matthew Desmond talked about in his book, Evicted, that the process, you know, you're sitting there all day, and then your case gets called up, and then it's just like that, and a decision is made. Uh, And that is one of the reasons why I think there is this emphasis on making sure that tenants actually do have legal advice, because, you know, it goes by so fast, it's like a blink of the eye, you know? Um, And there were a lot of cases, um, but the thing about Cleveland that's really interesting is that this courtroom just handled evictions. That's it. And that was the only thing that they handled, which is not, not usually the case. Yeah. Um, When you sit there and you see these people essentially with their lives Mm -hmm. on the line, uh, what was what was the emotional content like in that courtroom? All over the place. I mean, there were some people who came up and it was just, you know, they they 
answered the questions, uh, no emotion at all, just okay, and then moved on. There were people who were very angry. There were people who were angry at the court. They felt like they weren't notified in time for certain things, or they were angry at their landlord because certain uh, you know things had not been done. There, a lot of evictions come up when people purposely withhold their rent because they feel like their landlord isn't living up to their end of the bargain. Uh, and then there are people who are crying. I mean, people who know that they're about to be out on the street. They don't know where to go. Um, there there was uh, one, one woman who was actually trying to evict her, I believe it was her aunt, a family mm-hmm. member. And this aunt had a oxygen tank and she was on, <laughs> she was breathing oxygen. And well, as we all do, but from an oxygen tank. Uh, and so she clearly had health problems and she had nowhere to go. Um, and this is an interesting case for this docket in Cleveland because they, they, asked, they asked her, which I think a lot of courts may not have done, ma'am, are you over, are, are you retirement age? Um, and she said, yes. And she, and they said, well, we're going to connect you with the Department of Aging and we're going to see what they can do to get you some housing. So that was that was a good example of uh, what they're trying to do in Cleveland. How effective are the lawyers who are assigned these cases? And, and I guess that's a, a sort of two sided question. One is about the lawyers themselves, I guess. But the other is about the idea of a lawyer, the idea of representation mm-hmm. in an eviction uh, proceeding does it does it make that much of a difference? It's sort of two prongs. So one of the things that uh, I sort of regret about sitting through the day the the docket that I saw on that day in Cleveland because I was only there for one day really um, was that I don't believe I saw a single lawyer for a tenant in that courtroom. Um, and I was there for, for hours, and I didn't see a single tenant that was represented with an attorney. The Legal Aid Society of Cleveland, as I said in the piece, it only represents less than 2% of tenants who, need, who, who are indigent. And so, but the thing about that is Cleveland has put, and for years they've done this since they basically established their housing court, that they have an emphasis on mediation, and this is huge when it comes to being represented in court. Sure, Tenants need to know that they can enter into an agreement with their landlord in the first place. And that is one of the first things that they say when the docket is opened. If you want to enter into mediation, go meet this person in the back of the room and go talk to them about what kind of options you have. And they are very, very effective at keeping people, making those agreements and making sure that people don't get just put out on the street and evicted. A lot of the time, these mediation cases end up... um, doing that and, and keeping a roof over someone's head a little at least a little bit longer. And that's one of the things that we heard, I think, a lot this summer as we were going around the metro area here talking with uh, different communities about this issue. We heard a lot from tenants. We heard a lot from landlords. The, the consistent, I think, uh, sort of report out from them was when you can sit down with the tenant and the landlord and work something out, mm-hmm. it is almost always better uh, the outcome is better, the way less chance of an eviction, which, uh, of course, makes it better for the tenant, but also makes it better for the landlord. Yeah, that's absolutely true. It, it's And that's something that we hear from landlords and that I heard from landlords a lot in Cleveland. Um, and, and I could talk a little bit about that. That yeah. uh, What land- was the landlord's reaction? Right, exactly. Right? So there's there, there were a lot for landlords to react to. One of them was the uh, this, this idea of putting social workers in the courtrooms, which I think sort of universally, the more help you can get tenants to make sure that they're financially stable, that's going to help 
landlords too, because evictions are costly for landlords. They don't want to have to go find someone new to sign a lease with. They don't want to have to put someone out on the street. A lot of people just don't. I mean, it, it is landlords are human, right? Sure. <laughs> That's it. Shouldn't even doesn't even need to be said. But uh, they they don't want to be putting people out on the street, uh, and it's costly for them too. So that's a big thing. The uh, issue of guaranteeing counsel, guaranteeing lawyers for people who can afford it, that also was something that I talked with uh, Kurt Stewart, who is an attorney for landlords, a big, he represents a lot of landlords in Cleveland. He's an attorney with Stewart and Siebert LLP in Cleveland. And uh, he says that he actually really likes that idea of making sure that landlords, or sorry, that tenants are represented. I agree with that idea. I mean, I agree with it conceptually because, in a sense, with the repercussions from an eviction, it's almost like a criminal case. I mean, it's like a misdemeanor criminal case, but it, I mean, the effects of an eviction on your record are serious, and that's one of the things legal aid does. They will, they push hard to not only get a good resolution, but they try to get that record taken off. Because it, just like a criminal record, it sticks with you. And the next time you try to go rent someplace, it's the first th- thing that's going to pop up is, oh, yeah, you've had prior evictions. Well, I don't want you. I don't want you. Right. I, I mean, that's, uh, that's such a powerful phrase to, to sort of inject into this. That, and and it, it really drives home the idea that these aren't singular acts. Right. If you are living someplace and you get evicted, it's not as if you just – kind of pick yourself up and go to the next place. This is something that follows you and has an effect on you maybe for years to come. It bears repeating that landlords can tell you they will not sign a lease with you if you have a prior eviction. This is something that stays on your record forever. It's actually something that Judge uh, O'Leary in Cleveland is thinking about implementing, which is sealing the option to seal eviction records, which would be another really huge step uh, in that process. And would protect tenants from right. that, that history catching yeah. up to them. And now, now so, so Kirk Stewart... Um, not every single landlord or someone who represents landlords is into this idea of of basically guaranteeing counsel for tenants. I also spoke with Devin Anderson. He's a landlord on a much smaller scale. He has 15 single-family homes on the west side of Cleveland, and he says he's not really sure that he's on board with this idea in the first place. I'm not sure what a lawyer in court will do. I think what the Empire needs to set up is a, a, a vehicle where a landlord probably can notify legally that this tenant is on the verge of eviction. So it try to avoid the court process. But having a lawyer to go represent someone in court for not paying three months or two months rent, I'm not sure what that's going to do. So that's an interesting point of view, I think. And the other issue, too, is that he's worried that it's going to gum up the system, that um, more lawyers in the courtroom is going to you know, draw out the docket, that it's going to take longer to get through the cases, that it's going to be harder to keep up with the cases. There's just going to be even just more people physically in the courtroom. Um, now, that, that, is, that, that second concern that I just outlined is something that a lot of other landlords reject. They say even if that is the case, then it's worth it. Um, but uh, th- so there's not universal universal agreement among landlords about that issue of guaranteeing right to an attorney for for tenants. And and how much would that cost? How much would it cost Cleveland? How much would it cost communities here in Metro Detroit if you were to say, 
if you end up in eviction court, you deserve representation. Yeah, well, so the, the that issue is, uh, I believe there are programs here in Michigan, and I'm hoping we can learn a little bit more about those today, uh, who are trying that. And basically, they're partnering with law schools and uh, other attorneys who are willing to work pro bono at a very small cost. I mean, that, that basically, this is, this is something that uh, can be done without a whole lot of, of added costs. Now, if you're going to do it on the scale of New York or San Francisco, where every single tenant has the right to an attorney, you basically have a essentially what's a public defender for tenants. That would be, I think, a different conversation, I would assume, that that would probably cost a lot of money because you're now talking about every single tenant being represented, uh, and it would be on, it would be, it would be guaranteed, which means you have to have a dedicated source of funding. For the smaller pilot programs that we're talking about, uh, much less costly, and also um, that, that the cost of the pilot program in in Cleveland to put social workers in the courtroom, that uh, for Cleveland amounts to one salary, which is the person who administers the program. Uh, Otherwise, those are partnerships that are taking place. They're people who are already active caseworkers, just basically shifting the resource, you know, saying, go to the court, meet people here where they really need it the most, and then keep working with them uh, because, uh, and also just making those referrals, which aren't costly, to pro, to, to pro projects that exist. So, um, so again, these are not uh, programs that are huge expenses if they were to be implemented. Also, I, I think it's worth talking about the long-term impact of this. Uh, so in addition to, to, to getting people into the courtroom, trying to come up with a way to mediate the dispute between tenants and landlords, they're also trying to intervene in the tenants' lives in some important ways in Cleveland. How is that working out? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the data is preliminary at this point. They they actually just compiled the data for the very first time for this report. Uh, and basically what, what it has meant so far is that what they can see the people who have gone through these programs, the people who have been referred to programs that exist, they have not come back. And maybe that is the most significant thing, as I said in I the piece. I think that's huge. Yes, because as I said in, in, the, in the report earlier, this is a cyclical thing. Eviction doesn't just happen once and you never experience it again for most people. It is something, it is part of that chronic uh, and, uh, you know, cycle of poverty and a driver of that cycle of poverty. So, so far, it seems like in the last year, year and a half, that the people who've been referred um, have, have not had, they have not come back, and that is a really good sign uh, up front. Okay, Jake Neer, Detroit Today producer and reporter here at WDET. Great work. And thanks for joining us in the studio. Well, thank you, Stephen. Up next, we are going to talk with some experts in this area, uh, one who is implementing similar programs on a smaller scale right here in Michigan, uh, another who is a member of one of our local city councils trying to get his mind around how to reduce evictions. Stay with us on Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us today. We want to continue our conversation about evictions and housing insecurity here in Metro Detroit. Uh, We want to welcome to the program Cecil St. Pierre, who is 
a Warren City Council. He's the president of the Warren City Council. Uh, and he's somebody who's spent a lot of time thinking about and trying to implement policy uh, as a way of reducing evictions in that city. Uh, Cecil St. Pierre, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. So as a member of the city council, you don't have jurisdiction over court administration, although you have the power of the purse in some ways, and that some of the funding that goes to those courts comes through the city council. But what do you think of these efforts to address eviction issues through the court system? Well, you say address the eviction issues through the court system. You know, quite frankly, the courts really have no power, and the city council has no power over who files evictions, right? That's almost part of the private uh, system, capitalist system, in the sense that the, the it's the landlords that file the evictions. And so I can only tell you what, you know, we did I've, as first as a city councilman is try to improve the, the rental units, okay? And my first priority when I first was elected about 20-some years ago, we were one of the first, we were the first city in Macomb County in order to do a, a rental inspection. And I tell you what, that did clean up a lot of the rental homes and it made it be, better for tenants. And tenants also have another defense in regards to eviction, and I know they use this quite a bit, in regards to whether it has a certificate of compliance. You have to have a certificate of compliance that you pass a rental inspection in the city of Warren in order to rent the property. And so that's that's number one. And then number two, we're thinking about a residential rental restriction overlay district only because I think that the at least the residents have indicated to me and I believe that there's been a you know, quite of uh, an influx of rental units that uh, we want to maybe try to decrease as well in the city. But in regards to what you've indicated, we we do this as a general rule every year now for quite a few years. Is the community development block grant we under St. Vincent de Paul? We give them thirty thousand a year in order to help with utilities you know, one month's rent, and I know that they've been, the recently, the 37th District Court has uh, set up uh, two two uh, issues. Uh, number one, they have a landlord-tenant program in Judge Fawcett's courtroom through Lakeshore Legal Aid, and also a, a eviction diversion program in Judge Sabal's where they use the uh, legal aid defender in order to try to work things out. Yeah. You know, to show where to go, to, because a lot of people don't even know that we have St. Vincent de Paul as this uh, you know, safety net to pay for utilities and a one-month rent. And uh, and so that's an opportunity for someone to uh, hopefully avoid eviction. So so we started the show by talking about the, the, the some of the numbers that have to do with eviction and housing insecurity here in Southeast Michigan. And we talked about the fact that Warren is uh, the number nine city in the country uh, no, I saw that, when it comes to uh, court-ordered evictions. I wonder if you could talk just a little about what you what your reaction is to the fact that Warren has this problem in, in, in that way and what you think is... The, the thing that's driving that. Why why is Warren having such a difficult time with this issue? Well, number one, I think the, the number may be skewed is when you say court, I, I, it just says a rate by eviction rate. Right, and okay? court-ordered evictions, right, yeah. When you say court-ordered evictions, I talked with the uh, 
court administrator, and there is virtually there's no way to determine whether people have been evicted or not, okay? Um, because uh, there's a code that goes on a judgment at JPJ. It's either people stay or pay. So the, really the only way to really find out whether someone's evicted, I guess, is talking to the court officers and figure out what they've done in order to determine the actual eviction because the landlord files a complaint, okay? And then they, they may get a judgment for a failure to pay rent. There's a seven-day notice and a 30-day notice. Seven days when you don't pay your rent. And so they can proceed to an eviction for failure to pay rent if and they get a judgment. And that happens, you know, quite a bit of the time. And if they pay the judgment, they keep possession. Now, I don't know if they're counting that as an eviction or not. You know, with 8,000 rentals, that, that could be the, the situation. It's probably not, but listen, it's still alarming, okay? <laughs> Even if they're not evicting, they have that type of um, uh, record to compete with all these other uh, places nationwide is kind of remarkable. So uh, that's why I believe that they've started these programs in the district court in order to address the, to avoid the evictions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you think the courts could be doing more there in Warren, the 37th District Court, for instance, could be doing more to, to lower the incidence of court-ordered evictions? No. I, I think what they're doing now is probably, you know, helpful because there, there's a problem, I think, in regards to communication. If you're a landlord and you're not getting paid, why would you want someone to stay there? Okay? And sometimes there's always a bad feeling between a landlord and tenant before they come into court. And I think this diversion program and or mediation program is is a wise thing to do. It is to let people talk to each other and work out an agreement. All right? Now, do agreements get worked out that we don't hear about the 37th District Court? Absolutely. But uh, sometimes landlord and tenants are not talking, and that can open up the door for them to work out their differences, because as a landlord, I can tell you, number one, you don't want to get rid of tenants. You want your tenant to pay, and you want to maintain a relationship. So uh, I'm a landlord, and that's that's my first goal is to, uh, and I've been very fortunate only because I take that approach, but but I see that as a a policymaker, and I'm glad to see that the courts have, have done this, because that also works with small claims where people aren't talking at all but that's what happens in a landlord tenant situation you just got to get these people to talk and some of these people do not know that um you know st vincent de paul has been funded with over thirty thousand a year and there's there's other things that we do in regards to funding turning point salvation army mcrest or macrest in order for uh other people for lodging and things of that nature so there's a lot of uh programs but I think the first thing is to get landlord and tenant to talk, and I think that's a good idea. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've joined us today. We are talking all hour about evictions. Uh, we spent a lot of time during our Detroit Today Summer Book Club talking about evictions using the book Evicted by Matthew Desmond to sort of launch off into a discussion about housing insecurity issues here 
in Southeast Michigan. We talked in several different communities with landlords and tenants and other members of the community. Now we want to switch, pivot a little bit, and start talking about solutions. What are some of the things that we can be doing that will reduce evictions, make it easier for people to stay in their homes? Uh, If you want to join the conversation and give us a call, talk about the things that you think we ought to be doing, things we ought to be changing or could change that would keep more people in their houses, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is always on the phone. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Uh, Let's go to Joyce in Detroit. Joyce, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. I'm wondering about this uh, idea of recidivism when people have repeated evictions, because if they have you know, they start with one, and then um, they try to move to another place, and a uh, prospective landlord sees this, then um, I thought um, someone said they won't rent to that person. So how does this person uh, develop a, a recidivism, a repeated um, history of re- evictions if people don't want to rent to that person? Hmm. That's a great question, uh, Joyce. Uh, Cecil St. Pierre, in, in addition to being a Warren City Councilman, president of the Warren City Council, you talked about being a landlord. Uh, how do people develop these records, I guess, then, of, of, of being evicted, these, the, the idea of multiple evictions over time? Well, I don't know how you can go through it unless you have some kind of search issue. There's, according to the court administrators, I guess there's a, I don't know if there's an app out there or you can find out on a computer as to whether you have recidivism rate as a tenant. I guess that would tell you something about that. But I, as far as the law is concerned, I don't know. A landlord can probably have that right to discriminate based on recidivism and or credit rating or, you know, actually the uh, person's economic position. So by all means, they, the landlord's have that right to to say no, but I've never seen it as a as a you know public notice somewhere as to how many times this person has been evicted. So I, I don't know if that's even out there. Hmm. But I guess as a landlord, why would I want to rent to someone who's continually being evicted? Okay, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk with an expert in this area who is implementing similar programs on a smaller scale right here in Michigan. We're also going to keep Cecil St. Pierre, who is the president of the Warren City Council, and we want to keep you in the conversation as well. Give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Talk to us about solutions to housing insecurity and specifically to eviction. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've joined us. We are talking this hour about eviction, a continuation of our Detroit Today Summer Book Club, where we used the book Evicted by Matthew Desmond to talk about issues of housing insecurity here in Southeast Michigan. Now, we want to talk about, we want to talk about solutions to evictions, 
solutions to housing insecurity. Uh, we heard from WDET producer Jake Neer at the top of the show. He talked uh, about his recent trip to Cleveland where they have an innovative eviction court that is intervening, trying to disrupt the cycle of eviction and poverty. Uh, we were also talking with Warren City Council President Cecil St. Pierre about the issues in that community, which is uh, nationally ranked ninth uh, for court-ordered evictions. Uh, now I want to welcome somebody else to the conversation who has spent a lot of time thinking in this space and working in this space. Brian Gilmore is the Associate Clinical Professor of Law at Michigan State University, and he is Director of the College of Laws Housing Clinic. Brian Gilmore, welcome to Detroit Today. Welcome. Thanks a lot for having me. Mm -hmm. So talk about the kinds of things that you're involved with to help address issues of eviction and access to legal services for tenants. Uh, right now, we our housing clinic, we have a daily clinic where consumers all around the state can call, our, call us at Michigan State University and ask for assistance for their housing problems. Usually they might be facing eviction or it might be a problem related to related to the rental housing or housing in general. And we also, on Thursdays, we are involved in this program called the Eviction Diversion Program in Mason, Michigan, which is just outside Lansing in the Ingham County. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, this, myself and the students are out there every day with legal services of South Central Michigan, Department of Health and Human Services of Michigan, and we have a program that tries to prevent people from being evicted and keep them in their homes for the foreseeable future so they can live a constructive existence. So uh, talk about how these programs work. How effective are they in reducing evictions in those communities? I would say the, the early statistics show that if you have a lawyer when you go to court and you're facing an eviction action, the outcomes are better. The uh, program from Durham, North Carolina, modeled their program after our program up here. Program in Kalamazoo was the first program up here, and then we modeled our program on Kalamazoo. But that program has uh, kept good statistics on theirs, and it shows that if you have a lawyer, you get better results, and especially if you have an opportunity to access some funds, some emergency funds if you need emergency funds to keep you in. But, but the uh, presence of a lawyer is has shown to have good outcomes. And we were also involved in a pilot program in Lansing, Michigan, downtown in Lansing at the district court. And it, the uh, small set of statistics that came from that showed, again, that if you have on a lawyer, you get better results, less evictions, less judgments against you, less defaults. And even if you have to leave your apartment, you leave in, in a more responsible way where you don't end up in the homeless system, which is the thing that we are fighting against. Just like capital punishment lawyers stop, try to stop the execution, mm -hmm. we try to stop the eviction. How hard is it to implement these kinds of programs? Is this really hard for local governments or courts to implement this kind of thing? Is there a, 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 a high burden to doing it this way? It is actually not a high burden. The Kalamazoo program was a pilot program that they started and it worked so well, they have kept it going, and then we modeled our program after that. It wasn't me. It was the Department of Health and Human Services. The uh, individuals over there saw that the homeless shelter was swelling with more and more people, and they said there's no way to 
address our problem of housing and homelessness in an urban community or any community. So they just, the only thing that really happens is our clinic and legal service of South Central Michigan with Elizabeth Rios and the attorneys there, they come to the Mason Court on Thursday. Our clinic, I come there with my students who are able to practice law under my supervision in Michigan under the, the rules. And they come, we come to the court at the time of the housing docket. The judges at the court are in favor of the program and they moved all their housing cases to Thursday afternoon, which facilitated, made it easy for all the attorneys, landlord attorneys, landlords, and tenant attorneys. Everybody knows what day it's happening. Department of Health and Human Services uh, delegated two workers to appear there every Thursday who will speak with uh, consumers about maybe they have a maybe some, a little bit of money will help them out a little bit of rental assistance will help them out because of a problem because a lot of times it's just a little problem a lot of times I won't say every time but a lot of times it's just a little problem a little missed a few days of work or something happened car broke down they needed some money for something else and it created a problem that they can't really get out of because the real problem is uh, wages and Wages and uh, rents are out of sync in the United States, and it's been that way for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that's the real problem. So our our program is really kind of a, a stopgap measure. And uh, what, what really needs to happen is an examination of that. But in all the programs that have started, and because of our program, Virginia now has been in touch with our office and wants to start a program. Nebraska wants to start a program. As I said, North Carolina has already started like two programs. It's very, it's actually very easy if the judges and the lawyers and the, the government get behind it. If they get behind it, it can work. If they resist it, it won't work. Mm. Uh, Cecil St. Pierre, president of the Warren City Council, you've been listening as we're talking with Brian Gilmore about these interventions in other communities. Are you hearing things that you think might apply in Warren, things that you might borrow from uh, these other communities that would help with evictions there? Well, I think 37th District Court has started that by the eviction diversion program and the landlord-tenant pilot program. Judge Sabaugh is doing and they're virtually the same thing. And I think, as your, your guest has indicated, hey, let's talk about this. Let's have some communication. Is it just, you know, a, a bad bad day at work? Is it an injury somewhere? You know, why isn't the rent being paid? And like I said, sometimes the tenant it doesn't is afraid to talk to the landlord because the landlord doesn't want to hear negative things. So I think the, the fact that everybody's opening up communications is probably the most important thing you can do in these situations because you're looking at a landlord's point of view. You know what it is to take out all that stuff, put in a new tenant, and go through all the background checks and everything. Every landlord wants to have continuity, and so and every tenant wants that as well. So it's just a matter of getting these people to you know come to some type of an agreement and. By communication, I think, is the most important part of all of this. So I'm glad to see 37th District Court and glad to see the good things happening elsewhere as well. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. I'm always 
Glad that you are with us. We are talking about eviction this hour, eviction and housing insecurity in Southeast Michigan, a continuation of our Detroit Today Summer Book Club, where we talked about the book evicted by Matthew Desmond and housing insecurity issues here in Metro Detroit. Today, we are talking about solutions, though. We are trying to come up with things that can be done to reduce the incidence of evictions here in Southeast Michigan. We'd love to hear from you as well. What are some of the things that you think we could do differently, either in the courts or other spaces where we see uh, people put out of their homes because they can't pay the rent? Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Let's go to Megan in Warren. Megan, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Hey. Um, this question is for Mr. St. Pierre. Um, I was wondering why in Warren um, the city taxes for property owners are twice as much than they are for homeowners. So, you know, if we're talking about solutions, maybe we could talk about things that would happen before court. Um, the amount that um, a property owner pays for their um, city search, their rental inspections is going up. Um, it, it just has gone up. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of costs that get added on to the property owner's bills, um, and that just ends up getting passed along to the tenants. So, hmm. you know, some of our lowest income people are ending up paying more than they should. It's inflating rent. Um, you know, is there anything we can do about this? Yeah. Hopefully, if rent could be lower across the board without, you know, all these inflations, maybe we could end up not going to court in the first place. No question. Lower rents would mean fewer evictions. Uh, Cecil St. Pierre, can, can you respond to that? Why are taxes higher on uh, uh, rental properties than they are on owner-occupied homes? That's the state of Michigan. Proposal A is just for homeowners. Otherwise, the you don't have the restrictions for the increase uh, on the on the taxation. Okay, so that's a state that goes to a state legislator because they basically control the taxes. Mm -hmm. So we have no control over that. Number two, in regards to response, one of my colleagues tried to raise everything in regards to the uh, how do you say the cost? You know, through uh, inspections and just just the fact that you have a rental home, you wanted to double the cost of the rental license or certificate of compliance in order to, to obtain it, and we shut that down. All right? The city attorney and basically agreed with myself and some other members of council that it, there is no reason you know, for us to be raising it. And as a result, there is no raising of the cost in regards to having the certificate of compliance and the fact that you have a rental unit. So number one, City of Warren has nothing to do in regards to uh, property taxes. That's with the state. And, and we don't treat rentals any differently than we do homeowners in regards to any taxation. Mm -hmm. It's all the same. The assessments are, are born through Proposal A. Secondly, we did stop that, so hopefully there is no further increases in the rental costs. Uh, uh Brian Gilmore, I want to give you the last word in this segment. Uh, can we talk about some of the limitations you've seen to these kind of programs? What are they not able to fix or address? As I said, I think I mentioned before, what they can't fix is the fact that wages and Poverty, rents are right? out, of, 
are completely out of sync. I mean, you can't even afford a person on minimum wage can't afford any apartment in any county in the whole United States. And it's, that's because wages have been suppressed for 40 plus years now. There has to be more focus upon everyone to uh, uh, simply address that problem. I mean, there we have a uh, federal agency now, HUD, which which seems to not understand that simple fact. I mean, we need what we do is provide sort of a, a stopgap measure to stop evictions and allow people to uh, sort out their lives and collect themselves and probably move on and stay in their units. Landlords get get to keep their tenant because landlords lose about three thousand dollars every time a tenant goes out. So ours, but ours is not the total solution. I said the economic. The economic issue is the issue that has to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Wages need to go up. Landlords sh should also should be involved in that process because they're the ones who set the market. They're not the ones who are. They're not trying to. Uh, they're not trying to. Should I say kick people out? They're not in the business of kicking people out. They have a product they're offering, so they want people to use their product. But if it keeps going like this, it's just going to continue in the same path it is, which is a lot of evictions. I think landing is in the top 100. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that tells you right now what we're dealing with here, just in mid-Michigan. I know it's some other cities around here are the same, but it yeah. gotta, gotta track tenants more, what happens to them and things like that. We have to know how much they need to afford these apartments. And we do know, we do know because the National Low Income Housing Coalition actually has those numbers. We know how much Consumers need to afford apartments in the United States. They're just not receiving it. They're not making. They're not in their work. That, that money. <clears throat> Brian Gilmore, associate clinical, clinical professor of law at Michigan State University, and director of the College of Law's Housing Clinic. Thank you very much for being with us on Detroit Today. Thank you. And we're going to continue the conversation here with Cecil St. Pierre, who is the president of the Warren City Council. Let's go back to the phones here. Anthony in Belleville. Anthony, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, Anthony just dropped there. <laughs> uh, okay, if you want to join the conversation, again, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Cecil St. Pierre, can you tell us a little bit more about what is going on in the 36th District Court? What is that program look like? What exactly are they doing? Does it uh, involve social workers? And I'm sorry, it's the 37th district court there. <laughs> <laughs> well, what it, doesn't, it doesn't involve social workers, but what they've done is to refer the tenant, if they're having funding problems, to the, to the program that we set up with the Community Development Block Grant with the uh, what was this? It was St. Vincent de Paul. And St. Vincent de Paul is part of our community development block grant. They asked for sums of money each year. And for the last 10 years, we they've only asked for 30000 per year, and we've given it to them. As far as we know, that seems to be working. And so that they can go get help for, uh, for utilities and or at least up to one month's rent. And so, in fact, I've even had uh, tenants that have used these programs in order to, you know what I mean, when tough times come, 
and so that we don't have to go to the eviction process because that's rough on everybody. But from what I understand, and I think your last guest, is Mr. Gilmore, indicated that, again, with the Lakeshore Legal Aid is an attorney. And Lakeshore Legal Aid uh, Defender Office is there acting as an attorney for the tenant. And they can usually work out agreements and put it in the form of a judgment to where it's a contract between the, the landlord and the tenant. And if the tenant does not follow through with the contractual aspects of this uh, con- consent judgment, then, of course, they, the tenant can be evicted. But I, I believe that communication is, is a big factor, and it seems to be working. You cannot get a judgment to evict until, unless you're defaulted, uh, and that way you know that the, the tenant doesn't really care. But if a tenant comes to court, they care. They may want to stay, and so I believe that's why the courts did this. So with an attorney present with Lakeshore Legal Aid and the, in regards to this eviction and landlord-tenant program, which is basically the same, that opens up the door to stopping the evictions mm. as opposed to just getting the judgment moving forward. Mm. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. Uh, Helen in Clinton Township. Welcome to Detroit Today, Helen. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to first thank Mr. Pierre because um, he Warren is very, very uh, helpful to Macomb County Habitat for Humanity. And they often fund homes where in Warren where we're rehabbing the homes are building new homes, and when folks move into those homes, their note is often five, six, seven hundred dollars less than what they were paying, uh, you know, uh, wow. when they were were renting. And uh, it's it's an amazing thing. And I, I'm certainly not trying to be self-serving for Macomb Habitat. There are habitats all over uh, in every community, um, but it is a good model and it is a good solution. And so you're talking today about solutions, and it's just something that maybe the community might consider is, you know, finding out more about your local habitats and other groups that are doing that same exact thing. Helen, that's a really interesting idea. Can you explain for listeners who aren't familiar how Habitat works? So Habitat doesn't give away homes. They actually sell homes. So people have to begin to start working on their credit and that sort of thing. But we do bring people into the program with seriously low credit. And um, and then folks will put in about 250 hours of sweat equity um, and and basically show need. You know, they have to prove that they are, you know, in mom's basement or that, you know, again, that they're paying rent that's consuming almost all of their income. And that's it. They just call their local habitat. They get on a list. We interview them. We work with them to bolster their and um, and we certainly could never do this without the help of communities like Warren. Warren is one of our biggest supporters and mm-hmm. others in the area. And and oh. I know from, from reading about Habitat that what you find is when people become homeowners, uh, it, it is a huge step away from the risk of, you know, lo- uh, losing your home. I mean, that 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 that. Uh, that Putting down of roots uh, in that way is a real long-term kind of solution to this problem. You know, I don't know whether it's the pro- I think it's pride, starting with pride, but then also seeing their children blossom. I mean, when you know that you're saving four or five dollars a month, then you're able to provide them with better meals. This is in their social life. You know, you can take them up to the improve yeah. all the way. Okay, Helen, thanks very much for the call and the info. Cecil St. Pierre, president of the Warren City Council, thanks very much for being with us on Detroit Today.
That's going to do it. Yeah, that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 101.9 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, uh, community service of Wayne State University. We will see you tomorrow.